I'm a little extra tired today, so there. Ascension and Assumption. Jesus ascends into heaven, and the Blessed Virgin Mary is assumpted or assumed into heaven. What's the difference? Ascension is under God's own power, Jesus rises. So Jesus is God, together with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God and three divine persons. So Jesus rises from the dead from his own power. Everyone else who will rise from the dead and go off to heaven one day will not be able to do it under their own power. They'll do it under God's power. So we call that assumed or assumpted. In the English language, we hear the word assume, and we assume things, don't we? We assume kind of a logical guess at something. But that's not what the word assumes in its context here. It's more like one assumed office. Joe Biden is elected president in November, and in January, he assumes office. It means you come into something sort of thing. So that's what happens with the Blessed Virgin Mary. There's no assumption as I assume that she died and rose to heaven in the English, sort of modern English understanding of that word, but it's that she was taken and placed by God to her place in heaven. That's what we mean by assumed her place in heaven. All right. In my pastor's column, which I encourage you to read, which would mean that you'd actually have to take home a bulletin, uh, you take home a bulletin and read that, or you can go online and read that. In there, I reference a couple of different mystics who saw the death of the Blessed Virgin Mary and her assumption into heaven. One is Mary of Greta, and she places this in Jerusalem, and another is, is um, Anne Catherine Emmerich, who places this in Ephesus, Turkey. And of the two, um, honestly, uh, Anne Catherine's is more credible, and she even explains where Mary of Greta is getting the Jerusalem thing. But if you ever go to Israel, you're going to go to the Church of the Dormition in Jerusalem, and that's where the Blessed Virgin Mary and St. John lived together after the death and resurrection of Jesus. From the cross, remember, Jesus says to uh, John, Behold your mother. And so John takes Mary into his own home. And so in Jerusalem, there is a church built over what used to be the home of the Blessed Virgin Mary and the Apostle John. And it was assumed in the English understanding of that word, it was guessed that that's where she died and was taken up into heaven. But actually, it's more likely that she died in Ephesus, which is in western Turkey, and that's kind of another story. But here's what these two different stories of her death and assumption into heaven have in common is that in both, she dies and her soul leaves her body and goes to heaven. And then almost, well, within the same day, her soul returns to her body, enters it, reanimates it, and then her body is glorified as she is taken up into heaven. Really worth a read. And so if you go to my pastor's column online, you can just simply click on the tab that I put in there, and you can scroll down to uh, the pages that deal with this account. But I found it very interesting that her soul left her body and then came back for it. And I went, well, why did that happen? Why didn't, you know, when she died, why didn't God just take her body up with her soul? I think it has something to do with uh, the fact that when Jesus died on the cross, he descended into Sheol and then on into hell. I'll talk about that in just a moment. 
and then re-entered his body three days later. And then uh, the same will hold for uh, all the people that have died before the second coming of Jesus. That the second coming of Jesus, uh, those who have already died and are in heaven, will then be reunited with their bodies. And their bodies will then accompany them for eternity in heaven. Don't worry, your body will be glorified. You don't like your body now. Don't, don't worry about that. It'll be glorified. It'll be, it'll be beyond beautiful. All right. But we'll have bodies unlike the angels. So, but in that same kind of way, her soul leaves her body and then comes back into it as Jesus left his body, entered the abode of the dead, etc., then re-entered it in the tomb, and rose and was gone. All right. So, now a word about Sheol and hell, because this is kind of going somewhere for me. So just hold with this. We have to remember that before Jesus died on Calvary, that no one was in heaven. There was just God. God and his angels. There was no human beings in heaven. So Adam and Eve and Moses and Abraham and Sarah and everyone who had died, uh, even the grandparents of Jesus, uh, Saints Anne or Jochum, etc., they're not in heaven. They're in Sheol, or the abode of the dead. When Jesus dies on Calvary, he descends down into, the, into Sheol, the abode of the dead, and where they've all been waiting for him from the dawn of time. There they are, Adam and Eve and all the rest have been waiting from the dawn of time. And he comes and he liberates them and they can now ascend to heaven, which he's opened for them. Then Jesus proceeds to go down into hell where Lucifer, the fallen angels, and the damned are. And he lets them know that he's Lord even of hell. Not that he's going to hang out there, but that they should know that he is Lord of all of his creation. Then he re-enters the tomb and the resurrection. This is what he's doing between his death and his resurrection. All right. Movies and stories. In many movies and stories, there's some kind of a, a dangerous scene in which somebody is about to be a victim of something. You know, it's a, I don't know, a, a, I haven't seen a, a horror movie in a long time, but like imagine those slasher films with the, the guy in the mask and the knife or whatever, and he's coming for you, and you're hiding in the bathroom, and the door is locked, and the girl's screaming and crying, and you see the doorknob moving, and he's coming in, and that scary music's going on, and hopefully someone will save her at the last moment, kind of thing. A lot of movies have that, maybe not quite that dramatic, but... These scenes where, boy, you hope that somebody will come and help this poor person, sort of thing. In terms of our own lives, I see the Blessed Virgin Mary that way. That kind of like, beyond all hope is my soul. And there is God in his perfection, his infinite mercy and glory awaiting me. But, but when I see my sins and I see him, I can't handle it. But what if my mother comes and takes my hand, sobbing as I am? and takes me to him anyway. A few years ago, I read a book, and I shared it at that time with you too. I don't necessarily remember the, the name of it, but something like Visions of God or something. I'm probably missing the name. And people mobbed me, and, I, and some, you know, somebody begged me and begged me, and I finally broke down and let them borrow the book, of which I never saw it again, and I have no idea who borrowed it. Those kinds of things. But in the book, it was this... Anonymous author, 
But I could tell it was a priest, and I could tell it was a French priest because it was dealing with some French kinds of things. <laughs> but this priest must be a very holy man, and, uh, and he has some amazing, amazing insights into purgatory and heaven and hell, especially purgatory. And in this book, he has been taken by God to heaven, purgatory, and hell many times, especially purgatory. And I think in purgatory, he's directed, like, pray for these souls or that soul sort of thing. And that's part of the reason why. But he relates a story about a, a pope who's being released from purgatory. That's right. Even popes go to purgatory. Believe me, if I died today, I would beg God to send me to purgatory. Because I am not perfect, and everyone in heaven is. And the only way I'm going to make it at this point would be purgation. So purgatory is a great gift from God. But he sees in this, in this purgatory a pope who's been there for, I don't know how long, years, centuries, whatever. So, hey, we can be there a long time. But he's been making progress, and he's finally, it's his release date, where he's going to go now into the beatific vision of heaven. And the Blessed Virgin Mary and this other Pope that I had never heard of before, but he is a canonized saint, and I forget his name, starts with a G, is more like in the, I don't know, the 900s or something is when he lived, or thereabouts, give or few, take a few centuries. He comes with Mary, and they come down, and it's this beautiful scene of, of light and peace and smiles, and this is it. You made it. And they grab this Pope, and he goes. He goes off into the beatific vision of heaven. I think of that in connection to the Blessed Virgin Mary, and how God took her soul to heaven, and then made her go back to retrieve her body. And I think of that in terms of our own life, and of her intercession in our life, of how she's coming for every one of her sons and daughters. How she doesn't want to see any of them lost, although some will be. But for those who would love and serve Jesus Christ in obedience for eternity, there is this powerful advocate that would work us through our sins and our tears to make it home one day, finally, to the kingdom. Years ago, in another homily, I have to work hard not to be choked up about this, but both of my parents had passed away, and I was fortunate enough to be with both of them at their bedside, praying the rosary with some of my siblings and, and nieces and nephews when they died. All right, they didn't die together. They died years apart. But when my mother died, <coughs> my mother became a very holy person. She was already a better human being than most, that's for sure. Far better. Okay, give her that. Far better than most. But in her last, say, five years of life, she really, uh, she became a religious, is what she became. Three hours a day at church in prayer. An hour of prayer for her family, an hour of prayer for the church, an hour of prayer for the world. And she did that seven days a week. She was a very, very, she ended up becoming a very holy woman. When she was dying, uh, she, like many people, lost consciousness about a day before she died. Maybe about a day and a half before she died. She lost consciousness and she's just 
you know, that, that breathing, if you've been with people who are dying, that, that breathing, and then it eventually became the death rattle, kind of where all of your organs are shutting down and all that's left is your respiratory system breathing. At this point, I'm praying with my sister and, and some and niece and nephew, and I think my brother, one of my brothers is there too. We're kneeling down by her bedside and praying the rosary. And during the rosary, she died. Same thing that happened to my dad, praying the rosary with my siblings around his bed. He died. That would be a beautiful way to die. So remember that, guys. I mean, I, I go to many people's homes to anoint the dying, and the family members don't pray with them. I am, I'm almost stunned by that. Are you praying with them? Are you praying the rosary with them? No, no, I don't. I don't. You, now is the time to own it. Now is the time to own it. But anyway, we're praying, and she passes away in the rosary. But it comes this point in which uh, she's got that deep, heavy breathing. And again, she's been unconscious for about a day and a half. And suddenly her eyes open, and they shoot up into the corner of the room, and her mouth drops open. And she has this huge gasping breath. And then she's gone. It's her last breath. But the eye is shooting up into the corner. I'll never, never forget that. It's a very rare gift. All of us looked into the corner to see what, what it was. Of course, we couldn't see anything. But I know that my mother, who had a great devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary, my mother, who was praying the rosary on the living room floor with her kids, while my dad sat in the recliner and read the newspaper, through that rosary and my mom, she brought about the conversion of my dad, which is why I'm a priest today. We're all links in a chain, dominoes falling, for good or for ill. But there she was, at the end of really a heroic life, having been a mother to 20 children for at least two or more years. Of those 20, um, it would have been 12 of them would have been foster children. And foster children come fully loaded, fully loaded. My mother was a saint. And she died in a state of grace. Died in a state of grace. And I have to think that Mary came for her, just as she did for her own body, that she would be taken to glory. And one day, my mother's body that's long since rotted away to nothing in the grave somewhere will be reanimated and come back to life and join her for eternity in the kingdom of heaven. How glorious our God is. How glorious he is. Glory beyond all telling. Glory that this mass cannot even begin to appreciate. How good our God is that he would create her and that he would give her to us as this exceptional intercessor to save us. To save us when we're in the bathroom and the doorknob is turning and the scary music is pounding and we need somebody to save us. To save us when we've blown God off all our life. And in the last, last analysis is Mary's pity for us and her motherly love and heart coming to take us. It might be that 
We're not going to go straight into heaven like my mom. If I were to die today, I would not. I promise you that, and I do not mean that in any flippant way. But even if it was thousands of years of purgatory, I'm still saved. I'm going to make my way to the beatific vision one day and then spend eternity there. God has given to us the Blessed Virgin Mary as a phenomenal intercessor, as a phenomenal intercessor, one who likes to come for her sons and daughters at the ends of their lives. Be a disciple of Jesus and be one of Mary's beloved sons and daughters. She'll do far more for you than you'll ever do for her. And she'll do more for you, through you, for others than you can possibly imagine. 